Uh, okay, uh, welcome back. This is part two of the MSG Brawl. So, awesome. This is still the same subjects as last time. I guess I should introduce everybody again. We got David. We got Matthew. Hello. We got TJ. Squad. We got Tower. What's up? So, I'm just in the background. Alright, I'll start off with a, a topic and we'll go from there. So, okay. Is it possible to never hear the word of God? If so, can someone who never hears it still be saved? I'll get that. Yep. Say that again. Okay. Is it possible to never hear the word of God? If so, can someone who never hears it still be saved? What do you mean by that? It, it, was, like, it was like we were saying in part one where I said if someone's on an island... And no one ever comes to tell you about God. Can they still be saved? Right? Yeah. That's that what you're asking. Yeah. Okay. But you have to hear the word of God to be saved. That's what he's asking. Oh. That's the question. Is that was the, that was the second the part of, of the question. And two parts of a question. Yeah. Oh. Who wants to take it? You mean the like the actual words of God? Yeah. Like word or the definition of the word of God would be Jesus. Semantics. But, semantics. TJ. Yeah, yeah. I like to argue semantics. Matthew, you want to take it? it, it Start still it thinking. Off. Can you can you be saved without hearing the word of God? Is what the question is. Well, I mean, I guess in my opinion, when Jesus died on the cross, um, there's goes into a story of where he went to. Um, I believe it was. I believe it was the bosom of Abraham. So like Shoal, like Hades' death, where people were held, and then he spoke to those, and some of them believed and some of them didn't. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Yeah. You know what he, talk about? He, yeah, he took the guy who died with him. To Abraham's bosom, and yeah, also so, you could also go into uh, so, Lazarus dying and asking so for the. So, if you're water. asking me prior to Christ, could someone be saved? Is that what you're saying? Then I would say yes. What? What? Okay, do both of them because I I think that's that's a good point. Is prior to Christ, like someone like Abraham, could they be saved without ever hearing the word of God? And then now, can someone be saved without ever hearing the word of God? Well, the sins of. Because because a person that would never hear the words of God nowadays but I would, wouldn't be able to, I guess, believe and confess. But we don't have to use it. We don't have to use Abraham. Just use. I'm just saying that time in period. the Abrahamic time, you could just take a man from Sumer, a regular human man. Could that person be saved? Is that a question? Yeah, part one. Yeah, I think yeah, they could. Um, I think we don't know the heart of a man. You know, it's like, was David saved? From the Bible, not this David. <laughs> was David saved in the Bible? In the sense of, did he accept Christ into his life? No. But he did follow God. So he was um, sanctified um, by his sacrifices. So in the religion of, it wasn't even Judaism at the time, it was, what was it called at the time? The belief in God? There wasn't Judaism at the time. I guess you could call it Judaism, yeah, but it were, wasn't the Judaism that we know today. They were the chosen people of God. Yes. Yeah, so in that time, they were sanctified by sacrifices, as been recorded. But if you're saying someone outside of that faith, could they have been saved? Yes, they could have, but it wasn't because of works. It wasn't because of what they did. It's not like they were good, and so then they went to heaven. I think it was... There's a story um, of a missionary that I, I read about a long time ago, and I believe he went to... Um, I believe it was the Congo, and in the Congo, he went deep into the Congo and he met a tribe that had never seen white people, obviously never read the Bible, heard about Jesus, and he met the chief, and he had a translator with him who was able to speak to the chief, and he was trying to explain to the chief 
the God of the universe and Jesus. And he was talking to this chief about this, and then the chief started to cry. He's like, why are you crying? And he goes, well, I was standing on top of a mountain one day, and I was looking out at the creation, everything out there, and thinking to myself that there had to be a God. Who was the God? And then ever since then, he had been wondering who the God was, and he was crying because he realized that that was the God he was searching for. So I think it's kind of like, are we born with morality? I say no, but are we born with a with an emptiness inside, something that needs to be filled? I think yes. So I think everyone, um, whether in the society, outside of the society, looks to or seeks to find something to fill that hole in their in their heart. And so I think yes. If you're saying like, what's that island off the coast of India that has never been Sri touched? Lanka? No, not no. Sri Lanka. The one where that missionary got. Anyways, there's an island off of India where, um, at least as far as everyone knows, has, they still run around in loincloths with spears and arrows and stuff today in 2021. Oh, the one where they make like the North Sentinel out of, North Sentinel Island. Out of like they that missionary. Yes, North Sentinel Island. Are you saying can they be saved? Yes, they can. Are you saying that they have to know? the name of Jesus, well, it's called upon us that we must spread the word to everyone. All, every corner of the earth must be must know of Christ. So obviously, that's still yet to be done in this situation, but could they be saved? Yeah, I think they could. I mean, it's, it's all about the heart of a man, and that's between God and, and, and the man, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's true. I think that's a good point. I also kind of, with your... Uh, example of the man standing on top of the mountain one saying there has to be a god i think that's a good point because the people who seek after the god of the universe and seek to you know find out about this that god will send someone to them and so i don't i don't necessarily think that there are people that are on this island that go like oh i want to know who god is and then they never figure out anything about him i think god sends people to those people for a reason. Well, what about the people God doesn't send to? For instance, a one-year-old child that dies from complications. Well, I, I guess, I, yes. I think, I think it's kind of the, well, hold like on. you're talking about the age of accountability at that point. Well, I mean, where in the scripture does it say that babies go to heaven? Yeah. That's what I'm this saying. Is like, actually something we'll get into a little bit later. So yeah. we'll, I think we'll David that brought that up in previous podcast but i don't know but i'm saying it's the same question because they would not i mean i guess they could have heard the name of jesus it's possible but would they have understood it at the time i don't know i'm just saying in that sense if they i guess a one-year-old could technically become a christian i don't know how but let's just say a baby born and then dies without even breathing a breath could they go to heaven well, I think so, yes. And so with that being said, what's the difference between that baby and a, and a 70-year-old man who also didn't hear, you know? So, I mean, I'm not saying that they automatically die and go to heaven. I'm saying that there is a way, yes. And I believe everyone gets that chance. For us, it's simple. You know, for me, my mom and dad told me about it, and I'm 28 now, so I definitely heard about it, you know? So, yes, I've had that opportunity, just like I'm assuming you have, and you have, and you have, and you have. But for someone who's never heard, I think that you get that opportunity in other ways. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I was having this conversation with, our, with my parents, and I think that, you know, God, he, he, he can show his, his presence in any way that, you know, you can just take into account uh, a waterfall and how it's created or the Grand Canyon and how it's created that, 
people say, you know, millions of years, or you can look at it and go, you know, this this thing appeared with a big bang. Well, how'd the big bang get there? Well, maybe someone created it. I'm not necessarily saying I believe in the big bang, but you know, you can go down a, a road of logic to figure out that there is a God. And I think kind of what uh, TJ was saying in last episode where it's easier for a person or they're more on fire for God, a person that has never, you know, really experienced Christianity than for a person that grew up in the Christian faith. I think it's kind of the same uh, with people that have never heard is, you know, you, you can go about your life and, you know, think that, what am I trying to say, that logically, you know, how things are created, but there's some people that just don't care. There's a couple people that I know where, you know, you, you tell them about God, they just don't care. Well, you know, if that person was on an island and they just didn't care about anything that happened or how these things got here, then sure, they could be saved, but it's a person that's willing to seek after truth that is going to find truth. You know, it says in the Bible that if you seek me, you will find me. And I think that's that's kind of the point is, yeah, you, you can you can be saved if you've never heard the word of God because if you seek after the creator of the universe, whether, you know, you call him Bathsheba or something, some name that you make up, it doesn't necessarily have to be Yeshua. It, it can be something else if you don't know the true name. It's kind of like Paul and the unnamed God. Mm-hmm. That unnamed God was Jesus. It's kind of one of those things where if you, you know, you're seeking after this truth, you're going to find the truth. If you don't seek after the truth, of course, you aren't going to, you aren't ever going to know. So, yeah, I, I agree with TJ. Is I think, I think you can go to heaven if you've never heard the word of God. That's not a, yeah. that's not a uh, requisite, what's it? Yeah, requisition? Yeah. Of requirement. A requirement yeah. of being saved. You don't have to hear the word of God. Yeah, that is an interesting point because when Paul went to Greece, they had many a gods, and one of the gods was the unnamed god. And Paul said to the Greeks that this is the unnamed god. This is the god of gods, you know? So that's an interesting point. But if you're asking me if someone like, let's say, Trey, without accepting Christ, died, would he go to heaven? I don't know personally because I don't know his heart. But if you're saying he never became a follower of Christ, then I don't think so, no. But if you're asking me if a man on the North Sentinel Island could without hearing anything or the opportunity to hear, I'd say, yeah, I'd just say it's a different, there may be things we don't understand with that, you know? I think earlier when we talked about morality, I think, like I said, everyone's born with that longing. And so I think if you really want to know, even if you don't have someone who's a Christian in front of you, I think you can find that answer. It's pretty simple. Seek me and I, you shall find me, you know? Ask and you shall receive, you know? I think that that... You could you could find the answers whether or not you have the I guess the Bible in front of you or a pastor or someone who is a Christian themselves you know yeah these are good responses as well these are difficult questions of course because you, we want to look into the scriptures and see well is there a clear definitive text which answers the questions then well there's not so we have to look further so. Old Testament is an interesting topic. Like, well, was Abraham saved? Like, did he confess Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior? No, he didn't, but he didn't know who Jesus was, obviously, because he hadn't came into the world yet. But we look at Hebrews, and we see Paul. He cites the Hall of Faith 
cites Abraham, cites many of the Old Testament names that we grew up with if you were born in a Christian household. It'd be kind of absurd to think that they somehow didn't make it to heaven, even though they were praised by Paul and say, be like these people. These, the faith they had is something you should have, too. I mean, maybe, but I just don't think so. It just doesn't seem like a possibility. Well, but as a si- Go ahead. Sorry. No worries. At the same time, those are more easy questions, I would say. The more difficult questions are, well, what about people in different like time periods? And before Christ came to the earth, you can definitely make an argument that, well, they could still have been saved in their way, shape, and form. God can choose to save who he wants to save. I think New Testament, though, is where this becomes a bit complicated. Let me explain. So in the New Testament, Christ has come. So now anyone who hears about Christ has the opportunity to accept him. Anyone who confesses that Christ is Lord and Savior, they are saved. They have the eternal assurance, the guarantee. But of course people can come into the earth and they never heard of Christ before, or they could die as infants, be stillborn. So the first part of the question, the answer is absolutely. They, there are people who have never heard of Christ. And they may not hear about him their entire lives. So that's pretty clear and cut. Now the second part, can they be saved? Well, this is a difficult question to answer because we have to inspect the scriptures and try to get clues. Jesus says, to whom much is given, much will be required. So then you can look at the inverse. To whom little is given, does that mean not as much will be required of them in their lifetimes? We see, unfortunately, I don't remember the exact reference, but another one of the epistles, Paul talks about that those who are in the world, who have the senses, can see and understand with mental capacity that there is a God or a God figure, they now are quote unquote without excuse because they can now either choose to accept a form of God or reject a form of God. So just because someone never hears about Christ in their lives doesn't automatically mean they're saved. I don't think anyone was making that point. I just wanted to like say that just on the air. It's it's something that we don't have definitive answer because we're not God as well, because God can choose to save anybody. He can choose to save anybody, but that doesn't mean he will choose to save people. We're not in a position to say, oh God, you should save this person because they did so many good things and they did so many things that are right. They're better than me in this regard. They should definitely be saved even though they're not Christian. Well, we don't know the person's heart. We don't know how the person lived their lives. We don't have these definitive answers. We can't definitively say this person is condemned because that's the answer only God knows. But there's no guarantee either that those who don't hear of Christ are saved. That's, it's unfortunate for sure, and that's why we get called to the Great Commission to go spread the gospel so that people can hear and accept and get that assurance. But it's still a little bit open-ended. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think as far as the Old Testament goes with Abraham, uh, that's... I mean, there's a story that illustrates that in the scripture where um, the, what was his name? The man, the slave died and his master died. And the slave was in the bosom of Abraham, it says. And he was standing and looking across the great chasm and he saw his master. And his master said, you know, go back and show them, tell them about this place. And then the response from Abraham is that he doesn't need to go back. The prophets and the, 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 the prophets and the, and, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say, are already there. And if they don't believe that, then they're not going to believe this. So anyone who hears it, I think, anyone who has the opportunity to hear it, I think, if they don't accept it, then I'd say no. 
But if they don't hear it, I think there are ways that we don't understand where they could end up, yes. So. It's like the age of accountability question. It's not something that's ever explicitly said in Scripture. Right. Infants who die are going to go to heaven. We don't see that. Right. But we see the life of Jesus. He loves the little children says, come unto me. He singles them out and says, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child. Right. You have to have childlike faith. We see these passages and what he says. And so we can reasonably deduce that since he loves the little children and since he cares for them, that at least I believe he's not going to send them to the eternal hellfire. Right. Again, it's not something I can say, well, here's the verse, there's your proof. But looking at the character of God, his love, and his justice, it's just something I cannot really see as like a possibility before the age of accountability. And a lot of times you have to look at the character of God through what we know and uh, to deduce an answer. And yeah, I would say, yeah, through the character that I've seen, a, a, a stillborn child is, is not going to go to hell. Now, I don't know what the process is. I don't know. But I would say that, no, they're probably not going to go to hell. You know, And it's kind of back to the point. If you hear it and then you choose not to accept it, then I think, yes, you must be saved. But if you don't have the opportunity to hear it, whether it's a child or a, a, a 90-year-old man on an island by himself, I think it's the same whatever process. It's the same process. So. Yeah, we look at verses like that. And we see the verse I cited a little bit earlier about those are without excuse that they can see and perceive that creation and have the mental capacities to recognize, oh, God may or may not exist, make the choice. But so someone is blind, deaf, and they don't have those things, then the opposite could be true. That, okay, if they don't have the perception to know that God exists, then maybe God will give them clemency. Again, no proof that that's the case, but it's possible. It can't just be, no, that's not, or yes, it is. I mean, I would kind of argue that point, but I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, but the beauty of the mind, I think, even in that scenario, you could still see God through that. But I agree with what you're saying. Interesting. But, yeah. yeah. I agree. And there's also the, uh, the last thing I'll add, because I think y'all very well covered the issue. Um, and it kind of feeds into what uh, you were talking about in the sense that there are stories of tribes that people have inter- encountered where they have a faith that is not unlike Christianity, where they somebody in the tribe received a dream at one point, and it was essentially the story of salvation and where they all came to believe it. Um, so I think there, there's lots of ways, like we've talked about, that, that this could happen. Is it something we can concretely say, oh, yes, everybody that, uh, that never hears about Christ is saved? Like, no, we can't say that. But I believe there are ways in which, yeah, looking at the beauty of the world and everything that's in it, you can infer there is some higher power, and believing in that can, in certain situations, I believe, lend itself as faith. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the counterpoint to all this, though, would be that there is a mandate for us to spread the word to everyone, which would infer that there's something that's being missed when you don't do that, whether that's salvation or that's the fullness of life. I don't know. That would be the counterpoint to this. Yeah, and my... My one thing, just to put a little bit of argumentative attitude into this, is, you know, uh, we do have an, if we all believe in God, we know he's an all-knowing God, right? So let's say, let's say this baby that's stillborn dies. You know, we, we don't know if he goes to heaven or hell, because God's out of time, and so couldn't God, being his all-infinite, all-knowing self, go through and say, hey, this kid was going to be born, was going to be, if he was born, he was never going to accept me. Even though that kid never had a chance, 
it, it's God all-knowing, I think. Or let's say the people on the island. Maybe God put these people on the island because he knew these people would never accept me. It's kind of what I was saying earlier in the morality question where who are we to say what's right and wrong? If God makes these people and says, these people will never accept me, so I'm putting them over here, maybe out of mercy to not go through certain things in life, we don't know, you know, what God's plans are. So it's not necessarily saying I believe it, but I'm saying it is a possibility that a stillborn child could go to hell. I mean, there's a, there, I guess there is, it is, I don't know for sure, but the counterpoint to that would be that um, in, in the story of uh, the, the Towers of Jericho, it was told that they should march around and destroy the walls and destroy the city. Well, prior to that, there were some spies that went into Jericho, and the whole city was going to be crumbled and everyone's going to be taken out, except for there was just one woman there who allowed, and she was actually a prostitute, and she allowed these spies to escape out of her window. And then towards the end, when they were ravaging the city, um, she was left alive, and then she was brought into the to the faith at that time. So that'd be the one point is though, even though God said destroy everything, there was still someone in there that would, I guess, join the the elect in that moment. Okay, to that to counter that counterpoint is what about that man on the mountain that you said? All those people beforehand might have never thought about that or never anything, but like I said, if you seek truth, you find truth. So yes, maybe God put that man amongst all these people he knew was never going to be saved, but he said, hey, this guy's going to be saved, so I will put him here, yeah, and but, someone will find him. But as you've already agreed, free choice is as much as predestination, correct? Yeah. So that would remove free choice. You know? Not necessarily. A stillborn baby? Yeah, it would. It's not the choice of the baby to be alive or dead. Correct, but it, it's... God doesn't give us that choice. But if, if it's... If I shoot you right now, you do not have a choice but of if anything. It's, I understand, but if it's free choice for you to choose God then that stillborn baby would never have had the choice. Yes, he would so have never would had the choice, but also in predestination. God also would know what that baby would grow up to do. I know, but for you personally, you had already said it's both of the things. It's free choice and predestination. Yes. But I understand what you're saying. That Yeah, some maybe maybe in those cases, they were never going to accept. But again, that would remove free choice. Well, I mean, you I could think. even bring into this way. I don't want to go too off topic, but... Yet again, God being out of time, maybe that stillborn baby is alive in some other dimension. I mean, <laughs> no, it's off topic. It is off topic. That's yeah. why I'm saying I want no. to stay on topic. No, no, no. But no. It's, it's, not, it's not really off topic because we don't exactly know what happens prior to our birth, and we don't exactly know where we are after our birth, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, we, we can say that it's heaven and hell, but we don't necessarily know what that looks like. Or that you know? baby could have... God knew it was going to be stillborn and not giving that baby a soul. It's, yeah, there's a bunch of different things. That's what I'm saying at the end. It says at the end of time, we will all stand before God and be judged, right? Yes. And so what would that stillborn child be judged for? Being well, born I'm into not sin? God. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and yes, he would be born into sin, and that's... But if they're stillborn, they weren't born. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough question. That's why I would say that that's... For what we're talking about as far as Scripture goes, I would say that that's probably not the truth, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, and none of this we can say concretely, which is why it's a hard yeah, question. Yeah, because none of it is right. in the Bible, yeah. in yeah. set in stone. It's like we can only take certain verses in Scripture and try and imply things out, but it becomes dangerous to put forward, okay, yeah, this is the position. And we maybe we're just all in a stimulation. Who knows? <laughs> maybe the Elon Musk is, is right. But, okay, uh, moving on, I'm going to skip a couple questions because we kind of talked 
on these. One of them actually was the do babies uh, go or unborn children go to heaven, but we we've covered that as fully as we need to. Um, but this sort of transitions into another issue, which is at the the height of the Christian faith, certainly, uh, and this bleeds over into the political realm. Is abortion right or wrong? Uh, I have a feeling everybody at the table has the same answer to it, but I think we could delve into some of the implications of abortion. I think for a deeper question would be is um, what's the, what's it called? Contraception. Contraceptives. Contraceptives. Yes. Would that be appropriate? Yeah, because I think I think well I don't know I don't know but I think um, we would all think that if there is indeed a pregnancy and then you snuff out that life then you are indeed snuffing out a life. No. You could argue that perhaps that baby would be stillborn or that baby would be born and then die, you know, but the reality is it's still a life that would be born, you know, in my it has, opinion. It has the opportunity to be born, yes. I, I Like TJ said, I think we all agree it, it's murder well, and us as... these two guys, who knows? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, well guys, who knows? I will ask these guys, but I'm, I'm just saying that, yeah, us as Christians would consider an abortion murder... And it's pretty well defined in the Ten Commandments that murder is wrong. And so I, I, I believe that at the point of conception, when the egg is fertilized with the sperm, that that is a life at that point. I, I, you know, some people argue, well, not until it's a zygote is it a life. And just me personally, I think that at the point of contraception, that it is a life so conception sorry <laughs> conception it is a life uh and like you was saying the point of contraceptives is that right or wrong well first. Oh. we don't know what they believe i don't know well i was just gonna add on to that point and then let them go but uh i i i don't know that's a gray area for me because it kind of goes into my thinking of god already knows so if you're using a contraceptive then God knows that, and he would have been prepared for that. It would have been, well, they aren't going to get pregnant here. And, you know, you've heard stories of people getting pregnant while using contraceptives. So it is possible. If God wants it to happen, it will happen. So I think that it's a it's more of a gray area for me. I don't know if it's right or wrong. My wife has used contraceptives early in life. And, I mean, even a, a condom is a contraceptive. So I, I don't know where I stand on that, but I think that since God is an all-knowing God, that he knows when that person will get pregnant and that the contraceptives really don't matter. I mean, if, if, if I was wearing a condom and my wife got pregnant by me, it's one of those things that God knows, and so it was, you know, it was predestined, I guess you would say. There is happened. a story about that in the Scripture, and I believe it's in Leviticus, and it's about a man who spills his seed in the dirt, and... Um, and or maybe it wasn't in the dirt. I'm not sure, but I know that the was. Story you're talking about, but yeah. that was a that wasn't necessarily a contraceptive thing. It was more so the reason he was doing it. Yeah, it's just showing that the will of God is greater than whatever contraceptives we can use. So. Right, but but again, again, the will of God in the story of David would probably not have been that David would, you know, commit adultery and then have her husband killed. You know, but yes, he did use that instance, and yeah. then Saul was or Solomon was born after that. But that's not necessarily meaning that God meant for that to happen. Yeah. He may have known of it, but it doesn't mean that he wanted that to happen. True, yeah. But anyways, what, what, what do you think, uh, Matthew? Yeah. So, 
we see in the Psalms that David thanks God for making him in a fearfully, wonderfully made manner. And so when abortion happens, that snuffs out the embryo, the fetus, whatever you want to call it. But that fetus is going to develop into a person if you don't believe life begins at conception anyways. And so you're snuffing out a process that has already begun. And the reasonings for doing that tend to be reasons that don't... Actually, let me just say, the reasons don't excuse the action. So, oh, it's because the child may be raised in an environment that's not the best, or they may be neglected by parents, may be neglected, not adopted, whatever reasons that are given. But that's a dangerous line of thinking, in my opinion, because it already predetermines someone's future and puts their destiny into their own hands. And so snuffing out the life of a fetus, or I should say a human, in the womb, that is just an unacceptable murder, travesty, whatever you want to call it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that once someone is born, all of a sudden it's like, okay, they're born, let's, we can just move on now. And let's just not care about how they're raised, like how the environment they're raised in, like the socioeconomic factors in which they're raised. No, that's, that's just as important as well as protecting the life in the womb. And these two aspects don't have to be independent one of another. Now, for the contraceptives portion, again, I'm relatively neutral in this stance as well. I would say that, just on my knowledge, that using that would be preferable to aborting a fetus in the womb. But also, I would just say that going along those lines can be a dangerous game to play, per se, because you never know when things break, things don't work, and you're not intending to um, procreate a baby, but perhaps you do anyways, then oh, your plans have been shaken up and now you can't just get out of that unless you do an abortion and then all of a sudden you get into, or put the child up for adoption and all of a sudden you get into a situation where it, it's just, it could get very ugly. And yeah. so the alternatives for abortion is well, can we putting the child up for adoption? Adoption is an acceptable alternative to abortion. The one thing that people like to use for abortion the most is when the life of the mother is threatened, and the only possible way to save the mother's life is to abort the child, then is abortion acceptable? You have some people that say, well, no, it's unacceptable in any instance. So even if it kills the mother, it still is unacceptable to do. Others will say, well, yes, it is acceptable in that one instance. And those are some interesting, like, interesting thought processes and interesting dilemmas so before i answer my opinion on that i'm just curious what y'all have to think about it on that point um actually um from my knowledge that was the situation with my mother when i was born was that the doctor said that that would they said it potentially could end her life right and so interesting conversation went down between her and my father i'm not going to reveal that here but from what i know um obviously i'm here so it it went through but i would say in that scenario I would say, obviously, the choice is the mother's in that scenario. They will choose which way to go. Um, as for me, if it was my wife in that situation, I don't know what I would say, but I would leave that up to um, whether or not that... That would be more so of a heart thing, I think, in my opinion. That would be more so of how is the mother going to choose? Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But I think another big point that people bring up is what about when somebody gets raped? You know, And, and I think that's a big thing. Um, now, that doesn't happen nearly as often, but it does happen. And so 
my only argument to that, again, I'm not, I've never been raped, and I hope I never am. Um, and I'm not a woman, so I can't get pregnant um, unless I change my gender. But I'm saying that for me, if a woman is raped, um, my only thing would be that it, the child had nothing to do with that. The child would be innocent of that crime, you know. But again, that's another scenario where I probably, I don't know what I would say in that situation if it was my own, my, my wife or my sister or my mother or whatever. I don't know what I would say personally, but I would just say that just like with the mother deciding whether or not it, to end, it would end her own life, again, I would just say that the child would have had no um, decision in that. So whether you were raped or not, the child would have nothing to do with that sin. And I think a lot of people think, well, the child's going to grow up to be like their father or whatever in that situation. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, you know, it's, that's a tough one. I don't know. But is in general where you, you, you have relations, you get pregnant, and then you have an abortion just as like a, uh, you know, just kind of like a, a convenience thing, I would say that is not correct. That's wrong. Um, but with the other questions, I would say I don't know. I wouldn't be able to tell you one way or another. If I was a woman, then I could give you my opinion on the situation, but I don't know if I could tell someone who was raped that they had to have the child, you know. It'd be tough for me. Uh, I kind of got lost in what TJ was saying there. I understood what you were saying. I just forgot what Matthew asked uh, a question. What was the question? About threatening the mother's life. Threatening the mother's life, okay. If, say in a hypothetical situation... Without abortion, the mother will die. Okay. Is abortion then justified? Uh, I would say, in my personal opinion, yes. Uh, what the Bible says about it, I, I haven't dug deep into it, but uh, I've talked to Trey, the host of this podcast, about it before, and we've discussed it with my mom and my dad, uh, and I said... You know, if it's left up to me, I I would choose to abort the child. I know if it was left up to my wife, she would go through it, through with it, and have the child. Uh, and of course, ultimately, is her choice to to do that. But my reasoning behind that isn't because I would hate the child or hate my children. It is the sole reason that God created man and woman to raise their children together. And we see it all the time with, you know, single mother homes, single father homes. Uh, the majority of the time, something, you know, is missing for that child, whether, you know, it's a stern discipline because the father isn't there. Uh, it was God created us to live as parents uh, and to be together and have two of us and a man and a woman. And so I think, you know, if my wife died through that, operation of having a child then i would be putting that child at a disservice by not having his mother there yes i could get remarried and all that it it like i said it ultimately comes down to the wife or the woman but in my situation i i would rather have (laughs) sounds bad i would rather have my wife than a child uh just because of I, I believe that they need a mother figure in their life. Yeah, but I, I mean, I agree. I, I'm not a husband, and I don't have kids, so I wouldn't, I couldn't say what I would actually and I love say. All my children. I wouldn't say what I would actually say, but it would be same the question of like, if a man walked in with a gun, you know, and it says who dies, you know, would you choose yourself or would you choose your kid? I think 
I know what I would choose, but I think it would be right for the father to say, me, you know? And so I understand what you're saying, but I think as far as scripture goes, I think it would say under most, if not all, circumstances that abortion is, is probably the incorrect path. But again, I'm not a husband, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not having a baby, I, I don't I, know. Yeah, I agree with you too. It's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you don't really have those extenuating circumstances in the Bible. So it's kind of left in a gray area. There, there's scriptures of a woman being raped, and then she ha- she gets pregnant, and she actually marries her rapist. So there, there's plenty of stories in the Bible about that kind of stuff, but about a mother's life being threatened because of the birth of the child wasn't really in the Bible. And it, it's happened a bunch. I mean, back in the day, statistically, women giving birth died more than they do nowadays giving birth. It's kind of... It's a minority thing, so I, I think it's a case by case basis. That that's just my opinion. Yeah, well said. And again, these are I don't know the exact statistics for these, but again, these are very specific instances yeah. which we're talking about this. In all the other instances in which the mother's life is not threatened and stability is assured, then yeah, we can agree that yeah, abortions should not be acceptable in those circumstances. This is a tough tough question i agree with what you all said that at the end of the day the mother probably should be the one to decide in a super hypothetical scenario where the only way the child lives sorry only way the mother lives is if if the child is aborted and the child has no chance of surviving on its own then it could be justifiable in that case but again that's a super hypothetical probably extremely rare incident yeah and you would have to be able to say with 100 percent certainty yeah, yeah and that that just doesn't come about it's what's troubling to me though is that it's in acts of abortion it the child's future is destroyed it's completely ruined yes sure the odds may be stacked against someone but you ask the child themselves would they rather have a chance no matter how bad it is or no chance at all then almost everyone picked the first one sure maybe some will pick the second but that's not, I don't view that as the right for us to decide, per se. It's, again, it's a complicated issue. If the mother wants to proceed with the abortion, then the mother gets the call. If the mother wants to give birth to the baby, that's the mother's call as well. That's where the aspect of the mother's choice comes in, and that's where pro-choice activists will continue to build upon that reasoning to expand abortion rights more further and further. And we don't want people to feel like they have to go to get illegal abortions to and terminate pregnancies so that their lives can continue or else the, their lives will fall apart. And so that's – I feel like that could be another separate issue in its entirety. At the end of the day, it's a complicated issue, but in 99% of instances, abortion is not the acceptable solution and perhaps even in 100%. The mm-hmm. mother's choice may matter in these small instances, but – it is a tough thing and a very shaky thing to play God and decide who lives and who dies. If the mother decides to go through with it, then you leave it up to God. Yeah, and, and it, I, I think the, the convenience thing, like TJ was saying, if they get it for convenience, yes, it is 100% wrong because it is murder at that point. And I think nowadays, you know, it's the my body, my choice. That's not true. It's not your body. It's, it's God's. God made you. He owns everything about you. It sounds bad, but... You know, it's also not your body 
inside of you. You're you're killing somebody. Now, if if there was a way to somehow take the baby out, put him in a big glass tube like they do with Luke Skywalker, and he can grow from there, sure, it's your choice at that point because you aren't killing a child. But I, I think that's kind of the problem with nowadays culture is they say my body, my choice, and it's that to me that's just not true. My body isn't even mine. And from a strictly biblical point, which is what we're talking about, in almost all cases, except for the rare cases where we could argue about the mother's life or the rape, in almost all cases, if you choose, the Bible says not to have sex outside of marriage, so if you choose that, and then you have an abortion, from the Bible standpoint, that's incorrect. So, yeah. I mean, the, the semantics of like, you know, those other two, or I'm sure there's other things like incest, those type of things are questionable, you know, that that would be something that... I don't know, I wouldn't be able to tell somebody who was raped that they had to have an abortion, or they couldn't have an abortion. I wouldn't want to do that. But as far as Scripture goes, I think, I think in almost all cases that would be probably not the right thing. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell anybody that. Yeah, and for those who want to hear more insights as well, like I encourage you just to listen to women as well who give testimonies about why they choose to be pro-life, or even those who why they don't want to be pro-life. They want to be pro-abortion, pro-choice, for example. Just listen to more perspectives as well and get it. Because I know a common complaint may be, well, there's only males talking about this. What about a female's perspective, like a woman's perspective? They have a perspective that a man does not. But there are plenty of female arguments for pro-life that pretty much use the same reasonings that we did. So I definitely encourage anyone listening to check those opinions out as well and perspectives. And and just listen. Someone you could listen to is actually Tim Tebow. Uh, his mother tried to get an abortion, and he, I, did, I guess it didn't work. And so afterwards, you can listen to her testimony about it. And obviously, Tim Tebow was a professional athlete and all that, so he wanted to do great things. But you know, that would be another that'd be a person you could go listen. I don't remember her name, but I think she wrote a book about it. So, yeah, and pro life is life in all stages, not just pro birth. That's another common argument that's used against the pro life movement that people are just interested in the child being born, and then that's it. They don't care about how they grow up, and certainly that does happen to people, unfortunately. But that's not the express purpose of it of the pro-life movement. I can definitely assure you that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All good. I've... Also, um, oh, nobody laughed at my changing gender thing, so I just wanted to point that out. Wasn't that funny? I giggled, but I was Everybody smiled, so I just didn't hear an audible. So anybody listening, I was joking about that. <laughs> Even if you change your gender, you, you probably can't have a child. Unless there's something I don't know about. I don't know. It may be a scientific process. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, the only thing I'll add, my, my grandfather was a doctor was a woman oh. uh, all his life and he, uh, he I think he delivered over 8,000 babies and not once was there a situation where you know the, the mother's life or the baby's life had to be chosen in order to save one or the other so it's an incredibly incredibly rare situation um, and you know I'll echo what y'all have said it, it is one of those morally gray areas that it, it, it must be decided at that time amongst the people I personally think it should be both the parents deciding instead of just the mother, although it affects the mother the most. Um, but yeah, I, I think the ultimate decision probably comes down to the mother. Vody um, Bakum puts an interesting layer on top of this, which I hadn't heard from anybody else yet. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but he brought the issue of spiritual warfare on top of this issue. And, and this actually affects everything that we do, everything that comes into our lives. And, and it's interesting to see when you start thinking along these lines. But essentially, the the war that was begun at 
the starting of sin, the war between the serpent and Eve, or the, the offspring of Eve, is still ongoing. It wasn't something that ended at Christ's birth and then death and resurrection. Uh, scripture says that Christ was the first of many brothers. And so when you start looking at how the spiritual battle has shifted into our modern world, you start seeing, you know, you can, you can overlay that onto abortion and go, okay, Satan has introduced these things like abortion into the people's minds and created it as something that is acceptable. Uh, they're, they're create, or he's killing a bunch of people that could be potential Christians who are going out and saving many, many people. Uh, in that situation, I, again, it goes back to predestination versus free will in the sense that I think God can save everybody that he wants to be saved at the, the end. But in that situation, it's like abortion is kind of being used as the tool of Satan in trying to eliminate as many people that could be potential Christians as possible or people that could be used for God. Um, and so it becomes that more evil in that sense. We, if you start looking at a bunch of the things that we do in contraceptive, same way, you know, if, if you're preventing somebody from being created, that could offer the same problems. You know, okay, they're not ever going to be born in the first place, not even going to be created, so it could block that. Again, I don't think God's will can ever be thwarted in that manner, but it's something that's going on that at least Satan thinks he's winning. It is interesting because there is evidence that um, even as far back as the ancient Egypt had ways of committing abortions. Yeah. And so it is interesting that it's not addressed in Scripture. I would assume that was probably not very widespread at all, which is perhaps why it wasn't talked about. But it is interesting that they never have. And the, the only story we have as far as the infants of being killed would be when they sacrificed to Baal, which was not appropriate. So the the lowest we could go as far as age is... is uh, a newborn child so I mean but there is no there's no specific thing that says you can't have an abortion but yeah I think it's pretty clear that that would not be appropriate right okay. have we exhausted this topic yeah. okay. okay I think so um, going on to the next one this is a little bit of a shift um, how can you believe in something that can't be scientifically proven I think that's oh you mean as far as yeah, and I think oh, okay. it's pertaining to... I thought you were talking about science that wasn't scientifically... No, no I'm, okay. I'm talking about scripture in this instance. Okay. Well, just to start off, I would, I would say, uh, you know, scripture. But if you look on the other side, the Big Bang Theory is not scientifically proven. It is a theory. Therefore, it is not factual. It is not, this is 100% right. It's kind of like... Uh, trying to think of another theory but you know theories aren't aren't 100 percent proven but you know you ask scientists that believe in the big bang and they believe it wholeheartedly so it, it's kind of the same with uh with god and i think i think more as uh, people can't really understand it in the ways that if you're a christian that you know you obviously believe in god and you want to have a relationship with him and i think the more you grow with God, the more you kind of realize that, yeah, this this is true. And I think people that aren't saved can't really get that. They aren't in a relationship, so they don't know. It's kind of like saying, you know, David, you don't know my wife. You aren't in a relationship with her. You've never really met her and got to know her. But you, you still, in some sense, believe that she's true. 
it's the same with like people people believe there is something other than us first of all i don't believe we, that your wife is real well you can tell we that to my kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like it's like people automatically believe there's something other than us we did not create the world you cannot prove that but it, it is a belief that people have there's something other whether it's the big bang whether it's some other god whether it's the christian god uh it, it's just one of those things where there, there's proof, I think, throughout. There, people are too complicated to, in my opinion, to be a, a thing of chance. If you really look into the human physiology, it's too dynamic, too precise for it to come just from you know an explosion. And over millions of years, uh, in my opinion, I think that's what really turns me towards God if we're saying how do you prove if God is real my opinion is life I, I, I don't believe that something as simple as an explosion that came out of nothing nothing can't create nothing in my opinion uh, so there had to be something even if we want to go with the big bang and somehow it created us there's still something that created the big bang well to that point there's if you look in history so the story of the odyssey um was written, I don't know, a couple thousand years ago, and it told a story about how this group of, you know, Greeks did a lot of things. They met a, they met a cyclops. They did all kinds of things, and then it ended with them in, in Troy, in the city of Troy. And they fought. Achilles was there. They fought, and they killed Troy, or they destroyed Troy. And so for a long time, people thought that was just a story and that Troy never existed because there was no proof of it. Well, in the 1930s, I believe, they found the city of Troy. So just because that wasn't proven doesn't mean that it didn't happen so in one sense that's that but if you it's very interesting if you look at science nowadays it's getting into the things the bible speak of actually um they have got down to the atomic level of atoms and um the things that not even like the naked eye like you have to get to the atomic level to see and there's these molecules that are both moving and not moving at the atomic level there's these molecules that one is in europe and one is in america but yet they're right next to each other so they're saying it's because they're in a different dimension of belief, which we would have called that, a, you know, the spiritual realm, you know. So it's interesting how science is getting into that. Like, there's also, like, the missing link, you know. We don't know how he jumped from ape to human. There's a missing link there, you know. So science doesn't have the answers, and the point of science is to find the answers, I think. But even in most cases, like, the deeper, deeper they go, like I said, with they have the atomic level where there's things moving there's a thing moving, but it's also not moving. It's moving to the left, but it's also moving to the right at the same time. It's the same thing. It's very hard to understand how they're, they're connected for thousands of miles all around the earth. They're all connected. And so they say that's because it's a different dimension that we don't understand, which we would call, you know, the spiritual realm. So that's yeah, interesting stuff. And, and I, I think uh, on top of that, just proving what you can't see, uh, if, if we look in the Bible and... Uh, is the guy's name is Jordan Peterson, correct? Yes. Okay. So if you look at the him, Bible? no, no, no. But he he has studied it apparently. He read the whole thing. So yeah. if you look at Jordan Peterson, a person who doesn't proclaim to be a Christian, correct? Uh, at least from the last time I looked, doesn't proclaim to be a Christian, but he proclaims that Jesus was in fact a real person. He was a historical character. Uh, it's historically proven the things that he did uh, because of witnesses and historical documents. In my opinion, if someone dies and brings himself back to life, he, he, dead, 
uh, what is it, medically dead for three days and can bring himself back to life, I'm going to believe what that person says. David, if you died today and came back to life three days later without anyone doing anything to you, <laughs> without people praying over you, anything like that, and you came back Ooh. to life, I, I would believe every single thing you said. If you said you were Jesus, I would most likely believe you. Well, that would be the extent of it, though. Science believes that for sure Jesus was that's a common belief that Jesus was real, but I don't think they, they believe that Jesus died and came back to life. I think that but, would be where they I would mean, separate. What I'm saying is the historical proof to me, it is proof that Jesus did die and come back to life. There's historical evidence over, what was it, over 500 witnesses just seeing him ascending into heaven. So if you take into account other written uh, things like that, it's something that you can go and study. And I think if you do the studying and you see the historical evidence for Jesus being a real person, and him claiming to be God, I think that that, in my opinion, is proof of something that you you couldn't see. You can't see God the Father if we want to do that. I mean, I'm sure you could, but if we're just going with you can't see him, well, you know Jesus was a real person and what he did. So I think that, to me, on top of just the looking around the earth and seeing physical impossibilities, that uh, Jesus was real, so therefore I believe God is real. On both sides, it's tough for people to believe because, you know, um, let's say uh, whoever created a microphone, right, uh, he made that, the man. Mm -hmm. But somebody made that man, and somebody made that man, and that man, and that man, and that man. And so it's hard, even for us, it's like if you're a Christian, it's hard for us to believe that something was just there, you know. So that's a tough thing to, to rationalize because at a certain point you have to say, well, what was there in the beginning? You know, if it was the Big Bang, then... Like, they call dark matter the God particle because they think that's the origins. And so if that's the case, then that is God in that way. You know, that's who your God would be. So at a certain point, as far as we can understand, everything was made by something. And so at a certain point, something had to have just been, you know. Yeah, well, it, it, it also comes down to, you know, uh, if you're going through a forest and you see a fallen tree, but you don't know, you can't prove how that tree fell, did it really fall? Well, yes, you see the aftermath of that tree falling, but you did not see it physically fall, but it did happen. And I think that's kind of what it goes down to, and that, you know, if you believe in God, he is outside of time, so therefore nothing could create him. And so I think that, that in my opinion, answers the question of, well, who created God? Well, God's not in time and he's not a finite finite being and that's the problem with us being finite beings is we can't fully comprehend those things well that, that's what i'm saying with science evermore like if you if you look at there's been a lot of releases of like alien footage and stuff like that mm -hmm. and the common belief now is that the aliens didn't come from a distant planet but they came from a different dimension you know it's very interesting like there's a lot of science is starting to bleed in what you just say a minute ago i had a point and i forgot it after i started talking about aliens uh the point about finite beings or about gods outside of time. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So now science believes that time is not linear. So meaning that time does not go from you here go to there. forward, backwards, sideways. Yeah, so yeah. even science is saying that time is basically only existing in this dimension. So it's, it's funny how science is progressing to more towards um, kind of what the Bible says about the reality of things. Like if time doesn't exist, then something must exist outside of time. You know, and that's what they're saying. There's other dimensions where things exist outside of time, meaning that that particle at the atomical level, at the atomic level, exists outside of time, exists outside of the rules of um, uh, what is it? Um, physics. Physics, yeah. 
Physics. Yeah, time, time's a man-made construct. Well, physics is starting to die. We are actually, inside so. of time, so there has to be something outside of time. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's where kind of the secular world is unknowingly pointing towards God with the uh, other dimensions and things like that and things being outside of time, being able to uh, do things that are inside of time. And so I think I think unknowingly that the secular world is pointing towards God and not everybody sees it. Well, it, it was interesting. I believe it was in the 60s or maybe the 70s. Um, they finally found definitive proof that there was a beginning to the universe. Like that was not something that was understood forever mm-hmm. and ever. And there was a lot of backlash in the scientific community because, and I quote, they stated that it would give too much credence to the biblical way of thinking because they, they just resisted anything that was biblical. Mm-hmm. But if they had looked to the Bible for that truth, they would have probably been looking for it a lot earlier. Um, it's it's a fascinating thing. Um, yeah. It, yeah, people, people are... The darkness is afraid of the light. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's correct. You know, they, they've banned uh, the Bible from school, you know, things like that. And so they're trying to get rid of something they're afraid of and I think deep down they're afraid of it because they know it's true it's kind of like we I brought it up with Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. he he's admitted he he believes that it is true but for some reason he cannot take that next step and I, I, I think it's it's something with people it's just we don't you know if, if he did take that next step just all the consequences that come with that of well if God is real I've been doing all these things my whole life, so you know it's like going to change. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's the struggle with of the change and of the fear of the light. I think, and I think that that's kind of my point. I think I I don't have too much other to say than that. And yeah. sort of bleeding or not bleeding off, but adding on to your point, even with Jordan Peterson, um, I think a lot of the proof we have for the death and resurrection of Christ is actually in its false of viability um, in the fact that at the time of Christ's death and resurrection people could have falsified it they could have mm-hmm. proved that it was false the fact that that did not happen gives every credence in the world to the fact that it was true yeah. you got the 500 right. witnesses to his resurrection mm-hmm. um, so you had people you could go talk to and you could go catch in a lie if you really wanted to but they couldn't and there were, I, I believe there were people that tried to do that very same thing. I mean, yeah. You had every reason to try and cover that up. You had the people that paid the guards to tell that they had uh, you know, been knocked out and that the disciples yeah. had come and stolen the body. You had people trying to cover it up, but it couldn't be covered up because it was the truth. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point, too, because the early Christians, they died because they wouldn't you know, sway on that opinion because they, they saw it physically. And so you know tortured and all these things and they they wouldn't say that it wasn't true because they saw it with their own eyes and i think that's that's a real good point on christianity is that these people that saw this even let's say even someone saw him resurrect and didn't believe that he was god they still saw it and they were unwilling to deny it we don't get those denials anywhere in scripture or anywhere in history it's all affirmation that this actually happened well that's the problem now in quantum physics is that like 
the reason they created the Higgs boson. No, no, no. What's the big... The hydrogen collider? Yeah, the collider. The reason they did this is because they didn't know what held atoms together. What was the space between it? And they found it dark matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now they have a problem at the atomic level. Is it, It's the xenon effect where when you're looking at these atomic particles, they don't move. They don't do anything. And so it's... It keeps going back to these these things where it's like there's something deeper, and science keeps hitting it, and they're like they can't figure out what it is. And so, like that's the new problem in quantum physics is that when you're looking at these atomic particles, they don't do anything. But when you're not looking, they do things. And so they're wondering what all that is. So they they can tell that there is a design to these things. They just don't know what the origin would be. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew, you have anything to add? Yeah, I do. So, I guess. I have a short response and a longer response. I guess to sum it all up, it's because I believe I'm a sinner and I need a savior, Jesus Christ. And so when I view my life, when I know I'm actively following after God and I know that I'm pursuing him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it produces benefits for my life. And even if my circumstances don't change around me, I feel a greater sense of peace, greater sense of like the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. And when I become lazy and I just don't pursue after Christ as much as I should, I'm not as productive, I grow like lazier, I just I don't do the things I should be doing. And so that's just the short answer that I would give to that. But I guess the longer form, like y'all touched upon some things I was gonna say, like the resurrection of Christ. If Christ does not resurrect from the dead, then our faith is pointless, then it's false. So if for some reason someone could prove one day beyond any doubt that Christ did not resurrect, he's dead somewhere in a tomb, then we're wasting our time here, what we're talking about is false, but because the apostles, when they saw that Christ had resurrected from the dead, and they knew it was the truth, they stayed with the faith, even unto torture and death. You don't go through such a process on a lie, if you know it's a lie. Well, maybe they're delusional, someone may say, maybe they were taking some sort of drugs, or maybe they were just like not being in their full consciousness. You may make the argument for like one or two people, but this spreads far beyond just a certain group of people or just beyond one or two groups. It's expanded throughout the world. It exploded in popularity, per se, because people are hearing it. They could attest to its being true or at least have a significant doubt to its being false, and thus the belief spread. And it's persisted through thousands of years to this day. It hasn't died off like any other religion you may have heard of in the past or some like Greek mythology which was widely practiced in the past and then suddenly just died off in the present along with other polytheistic religions Christianity is one of the three monotheistic religions which is still widely practiced and adhered to to this day also if you just go beyond those reasons it's more about my reasonings like my subjective points like I see just in the world there's a lot of beauty in the world there's music there's color food tastes good the variety of food there's things that make life enjoyable, and it's, it just has the artifacts and the blueprints of a creator. You look at the universe, like you see the scriptures, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies declare the work of his hands. You see that technology is progressing, we now have the Hubble Space Telescope, we have telescopes which can look deep into the heart of the universe, and we still see that the universe is full of beauty, and the constellations, and the supernovas, the stars that are created and born, the ones that die and become black holes. There's even going to be a satellite, I think it's called the James Webb Telescope. It launches later this year, providing an even better view of the universe God has created. And so far, we have yet to discover intelligent life anywhere else in the universe. Maybe one day we discover it, but until that day happens, we see that 
Earth is the only place where intelligent life exists. If the Earth is somewhat closer to the sun, it burns up. No life is possible. If the Earth is just a bit further away from the sun, suddenly it's too cold, life is uninhabitable, people die off, or intelligent life dies off. And so as of now, the only proof of intelligent life anywhere in the universe is here. It's very intentional. It's very specific. And even more subjectively, I would say that just my perception and viewpoint on life, if someone supposes the argument that no religion is true, atheism is was correct, then again, what we're doing is relatively pointless in life. Because you can talk to people, you can make friendships, you can be successful, rich, whatever you want in this life. But then you die, and then that's it. Forever. And you never get to see what happens to your descendants. Sure, your descendants may be as successful as even the sand on the seashore, but you never get to witness that you're just dead. And eventually they'll die too, and their children will die off as well. So even if this continues on indefinitely, you always have an infinite cycle of death, and whatever you do really doesn't matter. Because eventually, either the humankind race will be extinct, or in the scientific model you have some billions or trillions of years, the universe has a heat death to it. So even then, you extend it all the way to the end, everything just ends. And, it, and the end of it all is still just pointless. And I know some people have accepted that as the factual reality, but just me personally, I just can't accept that. I'm sorry. I know if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably adhere to some other religion just because of my personal viewpoint. Things matter. Your decisions matter. Your choices matter. Your words matter. What you say not only has an effect on those around you now and what you do as well, but also to those who follow and thus for all eternity. Thus, there is a certain weight that comes to this life and a certain pressure that may be there as well. Because it's not all you do whatever you want and then that's it, who cares? Because there's actions have consequences and the actions you make may affect more people than you can possibly even think. And so with that perspective in mind, with the viewpoint that what you say matters and what you do matters on a scale that goes beyond your comprehension, then it just makes life meaningful every single day, every single action you take. Life itself is short, and whether you're a Christian or not, you agree with it. Life goes maybe 70 years if you're relatively unlucky in the U.S., so maybe 100, 110 if you're more fortunate, 120 maximum. But again, on any timeline, that's short. And so is there a point to it, or is there not? And I'll choose to believe that there is a point to it till the day I die, and that's just me. And to that point, again, everybody thinks that this is the pinnacle of technology, and perhaps it is, but there's still unanswered questions in history. You know, they don't know how the pyramids were made, but more so than that, there's no soot marks inside of the pyramids. So, like, there's no, how did they light the inside of the pyramids? There's a lot of questions like that. And if you look at ancient Sumer, they had sewage systems underneath the city. Nobody knows how they did that. If you look at the Babylonians, they, they knew of the planet Pluto. How did they know that, you know? So, perhaps technology has advanced, but perhaps there was technology in the past. And if you look at most of the societies in the past, they all had a system of gods or higher beings. And so, you can learn from the history as well. I mean, the cool thing about Christianity is in most major religions— Christians seem to come out okay. If you're a Christian and, in, 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 let's say, Allah is the true God, you go to the second heaven. It's not so bad. You know, if, you're, if the, the Hindu gods are real and you die and you live as a Christian should, you may come back as a king. You know, if you're, if you're Buddhism and you believe uh, in that, you may come back as a Buddhist monk, you know, and then you're the Buddha. So in most cases, I've always thought logically, like Christianity there's no point in not having it because even if it's atheism and there's nothing then there's no point to life anyways 
So who cares what you do here? You'll be forgotten, and everything you've ever done will be forgotten by you. So, I mean, from all angles, Christianity seems to be the way to go for me, I think. Yeah, and it's like as we talk about the distinction of religions as well, worldviews, you have two vague camps, monotheistic, one God. I know Christianity is a Trinitarian philosophy, not philosophy, Trinitarian doctrine, one God and three persons, but still it's a monotheistic religion. Then polytheistic religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, etc., for virtually all different viewpoints other than Christianity, it's the perspective of the things I do that merit something better. Yeah. Like reincarnation, for example. If I live a good life or holy, pious life, I can be reincarnated in a much better state. Or in Buddhism, I can achieve nirvana. I can cease to exist. My suffering will permanently end. But again, it's directed at the self. You have, but in Christianity, it's different because it's God who gives us the gift first. We accept this gift, not because we did anything to earn it, merit it, but because we have this gift, we respond in gratefulness and thanksgiving, and then we do good works to glorify him. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Another key difference. Right, and the logical stepping for religion is that, yeah, if you believe in the Buddha, you're pretty close. The goal of Buddhism is to become the Buddha, is to become the spirit. So, I mean... If you're a Christian, you live a Christian life, then you're pretty darn close, you know. If you live a Christian life in Hinduism, you're pretty close to nirvana anyways, you know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I've always thought logically, if you're going to be religious, Christianity seems the way to go, you know. That's essentially Pascal's wager, yeah. uh, which is like, well, if you're going to choose something, Christianity is not all that bad yeah. compared to everything else. Which, well, it's, never- it's a fair point. Although you could substitute in other things for Christianity to make a point, well, that this one's better than all these other, better than atheism or whatnot. So it, it's kind of on uneven footing. But you're right in the you, sense that like, I don't if know you if you could take, based on that alone, Christianity is a great. I don't know if you could religion. because if you, if the Christian God is the God, then if you don't accept Jesus, you don't go to heaven. You don't, you're not whereas if you with, whether, right. whereas if you live a Christian life in the Buddhist religion, you're pretty close to becoming Buddha, or it's you're pretty close to nirvana. Christianity is the only one with a downside if you aren't accepting of it. If you yeah. don't accept God, you go to a horrible place. But if you don't accept Allah, it's not all that bad. Yeah. Like even in, uh, you just don't get your virgins. God, I mean, man. it's not a it's not a bad life. It's better than burning. Mm-hmm. And even in the different sects of Christianity, sex, I said, um, you know, in Catholicism, you go to purgatory. And if you live a purely Christian life the way you should, well, you wouldn't be in purgatory for that long, you know? So, I mean, even in the different sects of Christianity, um, as far as the true belief in Jesus Christ, I think, opposed to all denominations, even within the denominations, you're still on pretty sound footing, you know? I think, though, based on my experience is talking with traditionalist Catholics, that they still adhere to a hell doctrine that is similar to fundamentalism and Protestantism as well. I think the thing, though, what really... I don't get a little bit off topic, but what really was interesting is when I talked to someone and they said that, I hope I make it to purgatory because that would be a blessed relief. Because in the Catholic doctrine, if you make it to purgatory, you will get to heaven. You may have to suffer trials, but you get there. But if you're in hell, of course, just like in any denomination of Christianity, then, well, there's no hope. You're eternally separated. Protestants and Orthodox don't believe a uh, purgatory really exists. Right, but at a logical standpoint, the true belief, as far as Catholicism goes, is the belief in Christ. So in that sense, you would make it to purgatory. Perhaps you'd be at the lowest level, but you would still make it, you know? Yeah, I would say that's definitely for the mainstream, just not for the traditionalists. Traditionalists would go more of a 
exclusivist type stance. Yeah, I guess so. Gentlemen, if that's it, we better cut it off because we're over time. But uh, thank you all for joining us, and thank you guests for being with us here. And uh, I guess we'll see everybody on the next one. And with that, bye-bye.